So we're gonna we are finishing up our dwell series that Josh, uh, for those that know who Josh is, is uh, our global leader, and he, um, him and his wife live in Turkey, and they were here, and he's had a real heart to really preach on dwelling, dwelling with God, and um, this is our last last uh, sermon of the the series. If you want to go back and listen to the other messages, um, they're on our YouTube and uh our podcast as well which Naomi does she does an incredible job can I say we are very thankful to have someone like Naomi um I've just been thinking I've got a friend that uh he works at a piggery I don't know if you've smelled a piggery before and it's hilarious you know when you do see him and obviously he spends a lot of time there and and you could just smell him the, the piggery coming off him when he's outside. And, um, but it's funny, he doesn't notice that. He doesn't notice that smell. And I, I, I grew up on a farm and, and I know what it, I resonate with that because I used to come home from work and, and working with sheep and the same thing. But I, I wouldn't recognize because I'd be working with the sheep the whole day and then you come home and mum, you're like, oh, you stink. And it's, it's, it's interesting when you dwell in a place long enough how that smell comes upon you, but you don't realize that it's on you. Uh, and I think that happens with anything, a culture. I can imagine many of you that, um, we, we have many from uh, in this church that have you know come overseas. And I can imagine when you go back home to, to your family, they go, you're different. <laughs> You've got a different language going on. There's different words that you're saying and, and you probably don't notice it, but they see it. Uh, I remember my, my cousin who grew up in Australia, her mum was a, a Kiwi. Anyway, she left Australia when she was about 13, 14. They went over there and then, she, you know, I got to visit her. Um, but coming back, she still got a Kiwi accent and I just it, it just kind of blows my mind because, she, you know, she grew up Aussie and now she's still got this Kiwi accent. Um, and she wouldn't even notice that she does that uh, because when you dwell in a place long enough, you know, and, and this is the thing about culture. We don't, when we're in this culture, we don't know the things that we do. That culture can influence us so much. Um, but I believe this is the same with God. When we dwell with God, there are things that happen. We don't realize it happens. That shifts and changes in us. And, and I guess the heart of today, the message I want to share today is how to dwell with God. How to dwell with God. You know, I'm reading a psalm, Psalm 84, and Psalm 84 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. And I'm kind of skipping ahead here. Verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. For the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Oh, you can just see the heart of the psalmist just speaking out. And, and, and when I read this, you can just see they have been dwelling with God. They have been, and, and they're crying out because it's just all over them. And uh, it just makes me think, this is, isn't this how we should be? 
as we dwell with God, that our heart would be like the psalmist's heart as, and, and as we would be praising God. You know, speaking about him and, and you know, better is one day in your courts. Then we need to understand this is the old covenant. So when they're saying it's better one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, they're thinking of the temple. You know, the physical temple in Israel. Because the, the, the physical temple of Israel, this is where God would dwell with Israel in this temple. And there were certain things they had to do for God to dwell there. And so this is a little bit different. So we've seen a psalmist saying, you know, well, it's better. He's talking about, I'd have to go to a place, the temple, to dwell with God. But the new covenant's different. That's not the same. It's still the same in that we get to dwell with God, but it's a little bit different. And, and what we read uh, is Jesus says, Mark, this is chapter 1, verse 15. It says, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What does it mean by coming near? What he's saying is you don't have to now go to the temple. God is near right now with you. And what he's saying is you go into your workplace, God is with you. As you go into your schools, God is with you. As you go into your universities, God is with you. And this is a, a massive change. And I want you to understand this because in the temple, uh, if you haven't read the Old Testament and read the things, what the priests had to do, and uh, I'm not going to go into every detail, it's, a, it's incredible what things they had to do to, to allow you know, God to stay and dwell. And the reason why they had to do this is that God is holy. He's a holy, holy God, and because he's holy, if, if the priest would enter into his holiness and didn't enter, um, obviously with doing all the laws that was commanded, but do you know what can happen to the, to the priest? God. And in fact, uh, there's, a, there's a passage there that says that they put bells on the priest, and the reason why they put bells on the priest is to see here, if uh, he'll still be alive, if the bells are running, that means he's alive, and if he wasn't, he was dead. And, and there's also a tradition that they would tie a rope to the priest. So if he did die, they would drag him out because no one wanted to go in there. Uh, we even see in the passage there when um, the other part was starting to fall, and, and some of the, the Israelites had to catch it and they died. Now, the reason I, I mentioned this is because this is how powerful God is in His holiness. Now, the beautiful picture of the New Covenant, if you want to read Hebrews, uh, Hebrews it can be a challenging book, but as you read it and, and you understand more of the Old Covenant, it's, a, it's an incredible book. Um, and Hebrews is talking about, you know, we no longer have to do and live by the law like the Israelites had to do. To keep God dwelling, all we have to do now is that Jesus is our high priest. Because the high priest, what would he would do? He would, he, once, once a year, he would go and make a sacrifice for the whole of Israel. And so he was the only one that could enter through the holies of holies through the veil. And he would make a sacrifice, and he had to do that once a year. And Hebrews is talking about Jesus is now the high priest. And he has torn the veil for us. So he has gone on behalf of us as a sacrifice, and so that now we have access to the presence of God. We can access the holies of holies through Jesus. 
and through Jesus and his sacrifice and his ultimate, we now have the Holy Spirit and we can live the Spirit, which means that God is near with us. Now, I just want to picture how powerful God is in that, that temple. And when the Israelites didn't do the things that they were commanded, God would no longer dwell with them. That's an important thing to think of. And so for us, if we want to dwell with God, what is stopping us from getting in the road? I believe it's the same for what happened in the old covenant with sin. Sin is what separates us from God. Now the beautiful thing about the new covenant is that we come to Christ and so Jesus cleanses us and washes us from our sin. But does that mean we no longer have sin? No, Scripture is very clear that uh, if we live in this world that we are still wrestling with sin. Um, but Jesus says this, and I think this just really helps us to understand, is that Jesus, when he was washing the disciples' feet, he gave us great imagery of what happens in the world. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about this, but uh, Jesus is washing their feet, and, and I think it's an incredible thing. I, I always say this, imagine King Charles coming in this building and washing your feet. That is, would blow your mind. That's what Jesus did. Jesus is the king of kings. He comes and washes the feet. Peter's like, I should be washing your feet, Jesus. And Jesus, what he does, he kind of has the old Peter. Um, and then so Peter responds, well, wash my body. And Jesus says, no, no, I don't need to wash your body. Your feet is what's dirty. And so as believers, we are in this world, our feet will get dirty at times. Meaning, we need to be washed at times. Um, and what he's saying, the feet, what he's referencing is the world. The world will get on you. And we have a smell. We either have, as Christians, the godly smell, or we have the worldly smell. You know, Romans 12 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. We either conform to God, or we conform to the world. And our heart and posture is towards Jesus, well, we're going to conform to Jesus. But if we're only adding Jesus to our life, and Jesus is not the center of our life, I can tell you, you're probably conforming to the world. Because we have to center everything on Christ. It's, it's, Jesus gave us everything. What are we need to give back? Everything. All of us. That's what Jesus says. And, and when we give everything, we are cleansed. We are forgiven. And that's, that doesn't mean that, you know, once our sins that we had in the past, we don't need to relive those anymore. Actually, that's what the Hebrew writer says. You, you know, every time they would make a sacrifice or make the day of atonement in Hebrews 10, uh, he makes it very clear that the writer that every time you do that, you're, you're continually reminded of your sins that you did in the past and, and how that is. But once we are with Jesus and we are cleansed of Christ, we should never, that's gone. Jesus washed that. And we can now come to Jesus, we can now come to the presence of God, blameless, and we can come ready, and we shouldn't be fearful of being in the presence of God, because of what Jesus has done. Now, 
I want to come back to the to the start. I want to ask you, do you smell like Jesus? And that's a sort of weird thing to say. Does, does people smell Jesus on you? Because if we are spending time in the presence of God and dwelling with Him, they should. They should see a change. And it's something my heart would be, you know, we've been talking about revivals. I think there's that whole thing going in the US at the moment, everyone's, you know, getting excited. And, um, and I see so many praying about revival. Do you know how revival starts? Prayer. So what is prayer about? Dwelling with God. You want to see a revival? You know what it starts with? It starts with you. It starts with me. Dwelling in God's presence. If we start, because uh, I, I had a prayer, I was actually praying for leaders the other day, and I felt God say, "Here, you're telling you, you want to dwell with God, but this is not doing it." I think, I think we're praying with our heads, not with our hearts. I think we're doing things, and this is what Hebrews talks about. We do what we know. Meaning, the Jews wanted to go back to what they knew. They wanted to live by the Jewish law because that's what they grew up with. That's what they knew. And I tell you, the presence of God is going into the unknown. It's stepping into something that you're not going to be comfortable with. Stepping in the presence of God is going to be this, not because He's going to change your world, and that's what He does. You know, I I, I see, I've heard stories of people, and you know, you know the people that spend the time with God in the presence. You can see it on their lives, and you hear stories of people like Jackie Pullinger. You know, she she would you can read a book. And it wasn't until she spent time dwelling in the presence of God that she saw change in, in, in Hong Kong, where God was where. She shared stories where she'd be walking down the street and people would fall on their knees towards Jesus without even saying anything because of the presence of God in her life. You hear the same stories of Yongi Cho, who would spend three or four hours a morning praying with God, spending time in the presence of God, and and People like John with these sharing, I would sit in the car and I'd be weeping because of the power of the presence of God. Why? Because they would be spending time in the presence. And when you're spending time in God's presence, it comes off you around the people you're with. But I can tell you right now, the flesh wants to go back to what you know. Actually, Paul says, it's like a dog who wants to return to its vomit. That's what our flesh wants to do. I know it's a, a weird way to look at it, but that's what he's trying to use. This analogy, or, or a pig wants to go to its slum. Uh, that's what we do. We want to go back to our sin. We want to go back to the things that we knew and grew up with. But the Holy Spirit is trying to take us and make us new. He's trying to put us in places that we will not be comfortable with but can I tell you, God is going to do some incredible things. 
Only if you're willing to give your whole heart to Him. Only if you're willing to step into His presence and dwell with Him. Because He wants to dwell with you. All revival starts with us dwelling with God. God always wants to move. He's always moving. There are stories across this world where he is moving all the time. This is not new. I think we're here in the US because the US is like Australia. But can I tell you, he's been building that in the Middle East and he's doing incredible things. But it always starts with us wanting to step into him because he's always going to do well with us. That's what Jesus came. That's why he had the Holy Spirit. It's a revival that just starts with us. If you want to see a change, Start with you. You want to see your friends saved? Start dwelling with God. I can tell you, if you start dwelling with God in His presence, when you go and see your friends, they will smell. They will see it. And we see that, you know, we see that with the disciples in Acts. We see that, you know, they saw that these men who, who were uneducated men had power. They had boldness. Why? Because they spent time dwelling with God. So how do we do that? Can I be honest with you? It's not easy to start. Why? Because, again, we're overcoming the flesh. We're overcoming what we're... We, we wouldn't want to find... Our flesh wants to find what's comfortable Spending time with God at the start doesn't feel comfortable. That doesn't mean we stop. That's a trap. We need to know as we spend time with someone, the more you spend time, the more it's a bit like, you know, if you wanna if you wanna you know understand German culture, I don't know who's been in Germany. I like imagine for her, she can't just go and spend one day in Germany and expect now I'm knowing everything and it's on me. That's just not how it happens. That's not how it works. And I can imagine it feels uncomfortable to step into a different culture because you're not used to it. Again, you want to go back to what we know. But it's not until you step and you stay and you spend time and, and as you be with people, you start to speak like them and you start to, and it just comes off you. And, then, and that's what it's like with God. And I think God gives us this great image that I really want to finish off with. And it's, John 15, and he says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. You remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, 
what a, this is about dwelling with God and why did I pick this? Because do you know that flowers, fruit, take time to grow? Unfortunately, my son doesn't understand that beauty. Uh, we had a flower that I picked from the garden and he was sitting in the uh, little bowl and uh, it was starting to die so he decided that he could put it on the window so he gets some sun and then it will survive and he was like, mate, it's dead. Or he's trying to grow things and he's sitting here every day be out there watching his thing grow. He's like, no, it's not growing. What's going on? And the reason why I share this, Jesus uses gardening, flowers, he uses... What's another thing he uses? He uses the field, the crop, the seed. Do you know, it takes, uh, uh, what's it mean? It's about six months for a crop to grow. So you ask in the West, we want, we want to see, and, and God can do this. He can transform. I've seen people be transformed. But it's also a daily thing that happens. And we need to be patient. And so, you know, you may listen to this message, and you know, I'm going to spend a goal this, this week, and, being his presence, and then after what you are, I don't understand it. I want to encourage you, give it a year, and I can guarantee you, you'll see a change. 100%. No doubt in my mind. We've got to do the long run with God. We've got to be spending time, and as you spend time and, and get to understand it, it's like any relationship. I can tell you that the people around you, you didn't get to know them in one day. Some of you, it's taken months, it's taken years to really get to know your marriages. It takes time to really get to know each other. It's the same with God. But we want this quick. And this is what Jesus is saying, is you remain in there. We can't push fruit out. You know, trees don't just go, oh! Fruits. God's saying, as you abide in me, as you spend time with me, I will produce fruit in you. And you know what? You may not even really see that, others will see it on you. Now, I always like to remind people, because I, I, I walk over this week with all of you and others, and sit down with coffee, and, and it's interesting when, you know, you sit down and, and people are like in a bad space, and it's like, oh, I'm working, and, I don't know, I just feel a bit distant. And I just go, hey, hey, hey. Let's just go back to where you were. Have you looked at your journey? I remember you. You didn't know Jesus. You know, you, you were lost. You know, you had no purpose. You know, you were very selfish. Focused on yourself. And then God came along. And can I tell you where you are today? Yeah, you've got to grow. We all do. But wow, what God has done. The fruit that he's produced. Don't forget what God has been doing in your life. But if you want to see that progress faster, God, we need, we need the gardener. This is God is the, is the gardener. He's the one that waters. You can't grow without water. You can't grow without, you know, not spending time. And you know, the beauty thing about a gardener, uh, I'm not a gardener myself, but uh, watching Rach and, and uh, maybe heard a story about Wendy, uh, straw and how much they love their garden. Do you know, they're, they're just, Rachel just loves spending time in the garden. And, and, and I guess what I'm saying is because that's what God is like. He's the gardener and he loves spending time in the garden. He, he you know, Wendy, 
talked about God. She's so delighted. She wants to show you everything. It shows you, look at this one, look at this one over here. I'm so, I'm so proud of this. That is God. God is looking at his garden and he is so proud of the fruit that is growing. He's so proud of us. When we, when we stand in that garden, he's proud of the things that we are doing. That's the type of garden that he is. Now, yes, he has to cut things from us. And those things that he's cutting from us are not producing fruit. In fact, if you don't cut those things, that plant will die. And that is what sin is. If we allow sin in our life to stay attached and, and not to deal with, but well, repentance is not a one-off thing. Yes, Jesus cleanses us, but we also, as we take the journey of Christ, we have to let go of things on that journey. And if we don't, we don't lose our salvation like you lose a pair of sunglasses. That's not how you lose your salvation. But you can forfeit your salvation. You can slowly, as you dwell in that sin, slowly drift apart from God. And as this says here in John 15, you'll be pruned off the vine because you're not bearing fruit. But if we stay and dwell with God, as we push into Him, I can tell you right now that repentance is going to change you. As you repent and come to Him and, and spend time with Him and, and walk with Him and hop. Oh, I just imagine the, the, the fruit that's going to be coming off your life. And as you, you walk with your friends and be in your university, they're going to see the presence of God in your life. And so my heart is. Let's have the heart of the psalmist. As we spend time dwelling, you know, Peter, I know that you've been going through some challenges this last four months. But man, tonight, I, I, the psalmist, I saw you the way you were singing, man. I've never saw you sing with that much passion. Right? And, that, and just as to know, I know that he has been investing in God so much. He's been spending time with God, and it just keeps coming off you, you know? And it's coming off you. You can see it there. It's incredible. Um, and that's what happens. That's the fruit. And I want to encourage you that let's start. Let's start our mornings with God. You don't need to do four hours like on each other every morning. I mean, you wouldn't leave until God spoke. That's that's the could start with five minutes. It could actually just start with going, you know what, God? I want to center my life on you today. Help me be present with you because I know that you are near. I know that you dwell with me, you want to dwell with me, but I need to open my ears towards you. Maybe that's the start of your prayer in the morning. You know, I, I love the, the New Living Translation. Um, it talks about the, the psalm, and there's a passage there that I'm not reading from, from this, but I don't have my new living. I don't know, I'm reading from new living, it's just, it's just giving things a lot more meaning at the moment. And this is what it says It says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. Who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. You know, when he's talking about a pilgrimage, 
What are the sayings? We are all on a journey. As soon as you think you've made it, you're, you're detaching yourself from God because we have never made it. And so our hearts and our eyes are set on Christ. And it says this, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. What it's saying is, if we have the presence of God on our lives, even though you walk through the valley of weeping, even though that there is things going on around you, that people it's going to be distressed, you're going to carry the presence of God with you that's going to be a refreshing spring. Only if we spend time with God that will happen. And so my prayer is that you, as you've learned from this series, you know, you can hear this message, go home, that was a great message. Oh, that was a I don't care if it's good or okay, but I want you to go, I want to make this change. That's what I care Even if you didn't like this message, but please start spending time with God. Start dwelling with Him. And I can guarantee you that there will be fruit from it. That's what Jesus promises. I can guarantee you. You know, and if you don't know how to dwell with God, go and spend some time with some of our guys in this church. Can I tell you, Murray? You can see it again. You can see the presence of God in his life. Why? Because he dwells. He spends time. You know, he, he shared about this other week. You know, Dan and Jen. And if you want to see, you, you can see the, you know, the encouragement. Often I'm always like, man, like, I, I would be such a negative person if you're going through what he does. But he's just got this positivity there. And I know he's had some challenges and it's probably wrestling with. But you know why he keeps... Doing what he's doing and keep doing what they're doing because of the time they spent with God. The presence of God is coming off their life. That's the fruit. Talk to them. Ask them what they do. It's not just because they're older, it's because of the time. Oh, I know people that are older, can I tell you, and they call themselves Christian, but they don't enjoy being around. They become bitter. And they talk about the glory days. They're not enjoyable, but when I see people like you know, Dan and Jen, the, the, the spirit that they have on them, you know, you guys are an incredible couple. You, you inspire so many in this church to spend time with God. I hear it all the time. Man, I wish I could pray like Dan and Jen. Now, I'm not saying you guys are perfect, you know that. But ask them, what do they do? They don't, they're not like the way they are just because of. The way they were raised by their parents. It was because they were raised by God in the time they spent with him. Father, we just thank you that we could uh, come and, um, you know, we don't need to come to a building to be in the presence of God. Uh, Father, we know that when we gather as a church, your presence is with us and we can encourage each other. And so I just pray that this message would encourage us to be dwelling time with you and, and have this passion like the psalmist to, to you know, that find a delight, having a soul that yearns, uh, that even faints to be in your presence. Father, it's better is one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. Father, I pray that we would continue to not dwell 
in the world with the wicked are, that we would dwell with you and spend our mornings with you and center our lives on you. And as we go into our workplace, as we go into our universities, as we go into our schools, Father, I pray you remind us that you are with us as we go and that we were speaking on behalf of you, that we are a representation of you and people will smell you on us and that will bring them to faith. Father, I pray that you would bring revival in our hearts, that you would start with us. In Jesus' name, amen.